0: Welcome to Mystical Musings, September 18th, 2016. Here in the Mile High City of Denver, in the Walker Fine Art Gallery with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. And here we are in the middle of our 13th year of Mystical Musings. We are here near the Civic Center heart of the city in one of the oldest of the Denver neighborhoods, the Golden Triangle known for its numerous art galleries, restaurants, and neoclassical architecture, including this building. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics, we know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths. I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. The dark events of the summer are enough to make pessimistics of us all. No one needs to be told that there is currently conflict and confusion, widespread anger and deep grief in the collective. Add the weather to the mix, and we can almost be depressed. But there is work for the mystic to do that can make a huge difference in all that is going on. What we might not give thought to is how we can help the situation and how we can learn from it. And chaos can also help us grow deeply and rapidly. We don't want to miss the opportunity. Many believe that this is the time in the dark night before an awesome dawn. But this time has intrinsic value and is an invitation. To service for all the spiritual communities on the planet. We also point out while alarming conflict and confusion reign in the outside world, we're being infused with a gargantuan amount of light. We await the dawn while we do what only spiritually awakening people can do send powerful showers of love and light to everyone on the planet. We also look at what we can learn as we go about the task of lovingly caring for the world and how we use all the darknesses to illuminate places in ourselves that need attention. We look at how, underneath it all, there is a brilliant light shining on and in us as spiritual beings. Thank you for joining us midway in our 13th year for this first mystical musings of the 2016-17 session. When I speak of the I today, the I in me is the I in you. So rather than using the second person, how are you feeling, I'm going to speak from the I. But please let it be understood. It is inclusive of all of us. Where and how in my life am I dark? Under what circumstances is there darkness? Chronically? Situationally? Fear is certainly one of the darker emotions. What is my relationship to fear? Do I work with my fear? Or am I subject to it? How do I leave mystic union and shift into fear or into other dark emotions like sadness or anger? Not an empowered anger or what we can call potency, that is an underlying energy of anger, but rather reactive, victim-oriented anger, either acted out or even directed inward toward ourselves. One overriding fixation or darkness is shallow breathing, thus limiting sensation and emotion, limiting response ability, keeping me from lighting my way to new possibilities, breathing more fully. Notice, noticing the counting for a moment. When you inhale, is it a (laughs) Is that the inhalation, less than a second? Or is it a (sighs) Can you do three or four counts in and three or four counts out? It seems as if three or four counts in and out is what is necessary for integrating difficult emotions. The quick shallow breath (laughs) doesn't integrate, gets us by doesn't integrate. Breathing more fully, moving more fully, invites an opportunity to return to a lighter perspective. The possibility of joy and an opening for love, evoking gestures of loving kindness, evoking gestures of loving kindness, lighting in the dark. Darknesses include, but are not limited to, the very first noble truth of Buddhism, the unavoidability of suffering in birth, sickness, old age, and death. And lately, we've been experiencing some of the old age stuff. Man, (laughs) now I get what Buddha was talking about. First noble truth, often known as life, is suffering. And suffering, the root of which is going under the surface, carrying under the surface where it is dark, There is a darkness of our continually heating planet each month for over a year now, setting record temps. If there's an increase of 2 degrees Fahrenheit, there's a correlated 10% increase in darknesses. Mortality rates, irritability, violence, killings, war, land riots, angry automobile honking, road rage, more lowering of inhibitions against retaliation. With the increase in planetary temperatures comes... Increasing darknesses. With the increase of CO2, there's an increase in pestilence delivery systems, most notably lately Zika, a form of biological or darkness. Sea levels are rising, threatening coastal inundations all over the planet. Wildfire seasons are extending their durations and destruction globally. Nuclear proliferation, North Korea, terrorism... Our polarized politics, government gridlock, and the metastasizing anger, hate, xenophobia, and racial strife. In the face of all that, what's a good mystic to do? Physicists say that the vast majority of our universe is comprised of something that we know nothing about, and that is dark matter that that which is light is but 5% of life. So just by the physics of our being human, we are inherently, fundamentally, just by being who we are, a light in the dark of this vast universe. We will, of course, look at incipient evidence for mass positive transformation in a little while. But what of other lightings in the face of such extensive dark in our current age? Lights in the dark include practices of many sorts. Practices are different from skills. Practices change us, and they change the world. Practices change our character. An ordinary skill learned as a practice may itself become sacred work and help us to develop inwardly, to not only cope with the darkness, but to integrate it, thereby bringing light into the dark. And practices include service to others, prayer, and embodied prayer especially, sacred music, poetry, art, breathing meditation, the magnificence of nature, especially here in our home, Colorado. Deep relaxation. Immersion in hot water. Sweat lodges, mantra, ceremony and ritual. Loving kindness as a practice. Mystic movement, including Sufi twirling and Jewish davening. The pull of darkness is so strong that we return again and again to the same labors, often rendering the interior work seemingly endless. But it is an attitude of rising that we mystics encourage within and without, a rising that allows us to move into the darkness against expectation, a rising that leads to freedom. When we experience any one thing to the depths of our being, the universe opens up to us. Within the darkness, light appears. Namaste.
1: So good to see you again. We could not possibly have worked in a museum over the summer. But we're very, very glad to be with you. Before I come in here, I always have concert nerves. And then as soon as I see you, they go away. That's one of the gifts, the many gifts that you give to me. There are a few new people here whom we welcome with all our hearts. And I just want to say a word about what our community is all about. We are not a new age community. We are a mystical community. And one of the most important differences between those is that the new age tends to, not every new ager, but I mean, tends to look at the positive side of life. Exclusively look at the positive side of life. The mystic can't do that because the mystics desire is to know all that is. To open the heart to all that is. And when we do that, we're opening to darkness. We're opening to pain. We're opening to whatever is human. Opening so we can love it and transform it. What we mean by mystic also is... Not a great scientific, huge, traditional, having mystical experiences and walking around in a beautiful trance all the time. Everyone's counted a mystic who's ever had any kind of personal experience of the divine presence. an experience that's not mediated, not mediated by a religious leader or an avatar of any sort. It's going directly to the divine, going directly to the source. And while we celebrate that there are these great saints, we know that within us there is the saintly part And there is the part that is anything but singling. So I'll have more to say about that uh, later on. But I just want you to know that we're here to muse on mysticism. And it is amusing. We don't teach doctrine, dogma, or any of that. We're just musing. We're just uh, going to our hearts, going to the divine in us, and sharing what comes up out of that. And we do that because we know that what is in our hearts and what is in ourselves is in yours too. So the more personal, in a way, that I can be, the more universal. So if I talk about what experiences are real for me right now, what practices they lead me to, it will be very familiar to you. Because we grow in tandem. We are here at this point in, in the Earth's history for a reason. We chose to come to Earth At this precise moment, with all the chaos and all the dualism and all the conflict, we're called here at this time to do our service. And again, I'll speak more about that later. But one of the things that I want to say right away is that that service that we do is so facilitated by being a member of this community. So I never feel as if I'm kind of alone in my uh, office with me. I'm alone in my office with you. And with communities like this all over the world, and believe me, they are all over the world, and it is a good thing that they are. And I'll again speak to that later. But I wanted to say thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for opening your hearts and your minds, for being here in your complete, total presence, allowing yourself in this context to be just as loving as you want to be. You can open your heart completely. There are no threats here. And this is an opportunity to do that and open your mind. So that's one of the real values of community. So, thanks again, and I greet you with just profound love and honor and respect. Namaste. One of the things that we think is very important in our community and in our services is that we have moments of silence. Because the silence with with people with open hearts and open minds is so rich and full and rewarding. And we rarely get that in the services that we often go to or that we used to go to. So, uh, So the way we move into silence here is through music. So we will, we will open ourselves up to receive music and then after that allow ourselves to be silent. The purpose of the music is not to lead to applause or recognition. The purpose of the music is to lead us into a deep place of silence.
0: Relative non-musician, I always find Myron's spontaneous compositions of improvisational work a miracle. And uh, he modestly says, uh, humbly says that all of us are helping him to create that. Thank you. The optimistic perspective... That while our discontents are real, we have made progress, albeit uneven, in the last couple hundred years in reducing poverty, spreading illiteracy, and lengthening the lifespans of ordinary people all over the world. Certainly one of the recent supports for the optimistic perspective is that peace has finally come throughout the Western Hemisphere with the ceasefire in Colombia of the 50-year, formerly longest-running war in the Americas. With so much of the world seeming so out of control, this is worth celebrating. While exploring for the evidence of positive transformation amid the darkening clouds of our current age, I take note of new apps for our handheld computers, which have more computing oomph than the technology that took us to the moon in 1969. For example, there is an app that will let you brew your coffee from anywhere. Seems invaluable. An app that will locate rentable yachts. A service that will deliver beer right to your door. A service that will pack your suitcase virtually. A service that sends someone to fill your car with gas. Another service that will send a valet on a scooter to wherever you are to park your car. (laughs) This is an important one. An app that will analyze the quality of your French kissing. (laughs) (laughs) And this even more vital for the gentlemen amongst us. A smart button and zipper that alerts you when your fly is down. (laughs) So much transformation a lot of it positive, but is it necessary, let alone mass transformation? The app for kissing analysis seems like a niche market at best. (laughs) What we need more of are apps to develop empathy, humility, compassion, and conscience. Since the mystic orients a sense of religion with the living, felt experience of God, of union, of oneness, of presence, behold a mystic technology predicated on a felt sense of experience, of presence, a mystic technology called artificial reality including what is referred to as mixed reality, augmented reality, and virtual reality. Reality that seems as real as what we are used to in our daily lives seems real, but is not. Might this be this month's candidate for potential mass transformation? With the leading edge of current artificial reality, there is no evidence of pixels or other digital artifacts. Reporting to date tells us of this strong sense of presence so much so that this artificial reality is becoming manifest. Either we get teleported to magical places or magical things get teleported to us. Even without a beta version, the aptly named company Magic Leap has garnered almost a billion dollars in financing on the strength of its super-secret product to date, a product seen, felt, and experienced by only a relative few investors. All major tech players currently have some significant resources dedicated to the development of artificial reality. And there are hundreds of support companies furiously vying to create hardware and content for this new platform. What is being generated is the matrix, a reality so real that it is impossible to tell that it is not. What has catalyzed the emergence of artificial reality is the almost ubiquitous smartphone, the chip of which is equal to the old supercomputers, which is making it possible to move beyond our current Internet of Information to an Internet of experiences. Even though the environments are simulated, the experiences are real, predicated on an overriding sense of presence, that that which is being generated is not just a visual stimulation, but a gut feeling, a sense of magic. One might even say a sense of the mystic. Experience is the new currency of this new platform of artificial reality. So this is not just another green project, another type of energy, another medical success, another technology. This is transformation of how we experience reality itself, what we even experience as reality. This is shifting from the creation, transmission, and consumption of information to the creation, transmission, and consumption of experience as a definition of this new platform. The Magic Leap inventor says, ours is a journey of inner space. We are building the internet of presence and experience. Sounds pretty mystical to me let alone incipient evidence for mass-positive transformation, with this advent of synthetic realities. This new Internet platform will create a Wikipedia of experiences for anyone and everyone, anytime, anywhere. The Star Trek holodeck. Travel experiences, formerly a more exclusive domain, will be available to... Everyone. Shared experiences will wildly proliferate, such as marching with protesters anywhere in the world, dancing with indigenous people, switching genders, even exploring Mars, or in the other direction, experiencing our beating heart up close and intimately in the microuniverse of our embodied selves. It is said that the virtual, mixed, and augmented realities can speak to the unconscious of the human experience in ways unknown in most of human history. Psychology, not to mention mysticism, will undergo transformations not yet even imagined. Synthetic realities will make the disruption of the smartphone look like children's play, with this new platform becoming the most social medium yet. Artificial reality is engendering huge disruption and huge transformation and is therefore this month's incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. remembering coming back to your embodied self <phone rings> namaste shalom christ be with you assalamu alaikum adieu adios aloha namaste We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light and dark, and of peace. As you are in that place in you, and we are in that place in us, we are one, together in our heart, courageously exploring our mystic lives. Namaste.
1: been a very confusing summer because as I read the newspaper and read about conflict all over the world, the conflict between the political parties, between the blacks and the police, and I don't need to tell you anymore, but there's such conflict and, and judgment going on. It's extraordinary how much judgment is going on. Well, if I when I finish the newspaper and I think, "Oh my word, what is happening to us?" Lawrence comes into the room, and the only thing I can think about is joy and how. On good day. I think that's understood. Not by me. I'll remember to remind you more often. <laughs> and, then I, and and I look at that, and uh, it's like, I am with the person I love most in the world. I have a beautiful home and a beautiful garden. I have money in the bank. I have relative good health. I in fact have everything I have ever wanted. Everything I've ever wanted. I have that. And so I feel despite what the energies, the chaotic energies that are around us that we live in, there's a place we go Inside to find peace. And that thought of the blessings that we have and that you have is extraordinary. In fact, one of the gifts of this time is to make us aware of how much we have to be grateful for. It's hard not to feel grateful with all that's going on. So much gratitude. And we're living in this time that calls for specific things to us. First of all, we can really see the light-dark dialectic going on. There is so much darkness on the planet now. All over the place, there are wars, there are conflicts, there's poverty. There's drought. And one of the things that's hard not to do is to look, for example, at our country and the political situation and watch ourselves just Judge the hell out of it. This is wrong. This person is wrong. This is wrong. Why don't they see this? They're lying. They're misrepresenting themselves. And even more painful, we see how so many of our prominent leaders all over the world Are completely run by their fear and anger. They have no freedom. It's not that you can tell them don't go into fear and anger because that's the only reality they know. Don't go into greed, don't go be power hungry. You can't know that unless you have an observance of your own self. And self-awareness is very rare. It's very rare on this planet right now. Can't he hear what he's saying? Doesn't he know he said the opposite last week? doesn't she know, we know her history? And that is very painful to me because there's absolutely no freedom. There's a reason why enlightenment is often called liberation. And what does that mean? It means that we're not run by our fear, our anger, our grief. We're not run by habit. We're not run by expectations of others outside. We have the freedom to have our fear, to have our anger, to have our sorrow, but not be the fear, anger, and sorrow And know that that's not who we are. We don't identify with that. We allow what's there, what we're feeling, to come into us and feel it. Bless it. And then put love on it. So it's been a gift to me to look at the shadow aspects of my life. So where am I run by my fear? Where am I run by my anger? Where am I run by self-pity? So I've had a practice this summer, particularly listening to politicians of the day, And seeing who I am criticizing. Who is triggering me? Who is making me angry? What is making me angry? And then the second step of that process is to say, where is that in me? So it's been giving a lot of information about my shadow. Maybe it's not something new, but it's something that is there and I'm not always aware of it. But to look in that and know that's part of me too. Now again, being touched by the divine presence, have freedom from that, but it's there. So I have my fear, anger, grief, but it does not have me. So I can freely do the shadow work and own it and know it won't overwhelm me. I can put love on it, and I do. I think, what part of me is afraid? Let that part come up and the heart beat fast the adrenaline course through my veins and then love that part of me that has having the fear love that part not run away from that part not suppress that part not judge that part but love that part that part is calling out for love so you do know, the same thing with anger, with greed, with a desire for power over other people. In me, those things are subtle. So it's helpful to me to have out there these examples of who I am, and I know also that they're not out there and they're not other people. They're me. They're us they have to be included and embraced in ourselves. So if I get into my negative ego and go to judgment and damning and criticizing, then I am diminished. Then I am powerless. Then I am weak. But when I think of the person that has just really made me angry, instead of condemning that person, I put my love on them. I put my love on all of these public figures. And I pray, may God's will be done in your life May you awaken. May you be free. I think this is a very important job for the spiritual community now is to put love on the people that we despise. There's a passage in one of the Pauline letters in which he says... love your enemies, embrace your enemies, and it will put hot coals on their head. I thought, you mean I want that person to be punished? So I talked to my father, the great (laughs) biblical scholar, and he said, no, the purpose of that is to melt their hearts. So you can imagine if these public figures are only getting a lot of anger and rage, and we're so divided, you know, who knows who's going to win this election, but we do know that 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 division is going to keep going on. So the world is in need of our love. If we put anger on someone, what's that going to do? Make them close down. But if we bless them, they'll open up. So it's a very interesting time for us because we will find ourselves instinctively, because we have negative egos, judging, making wrong wishing ill on. That's not what we're here to do. That's not what the spiritual community is here to do. In that moment, we're being in our negative ego. We're not being in our heart. So that's been a daily, many times daily practice for me. And the minute I hear myself judging, I say that prayer. May God's will be done in your life. May you awaken. May you be free. I love you. That's our job. That's what we came here to do. There are many of us who came here to do political protest and And that's good, because we need that. But that's a sociological function, a political function. And we can be as political and sociological as we want to. That's fine, but beneath it all, we need to love the world. We need to put the love out. We just bring all of this love, freedom, and joy into our hearts. All of this peace into our hearts and then offer it to the world. Bring my love for my own heart here. Bring the peace I feel. Bring the joy I feel so that I'm feeling it. and then open my arms to embrace the world to send that out and to be a loving presence in the collective which is starving for love and you look at the people I'm saying who are being run by their anger and their fear and their doubt what do they need? we need to love it out of them we need to help them know that they don't have to be run by instincts and base emotions. That there is such a thing as freedom. That freedom is not available psychologically. That freedom is only available spiritually. That's the paradox of Knowing our freedom lies in our surrender. not the surrender to ambition or greed or power or money, any of that, but our surrender to the divine presence. Our surrender to the beloved, our surrender to Mother, Father, God our surrender to love. And as we do that, we're free. This kind of surrender doesn't mean giving up something. It means opening yourself up for something greater. So, it is easy these days to get discouraged and wonder about what this is all leading to. Where are we going? And that reminds us that the real freedom and the real surrender come to us in the present moment. And so the chaos in the world helps us get to that part that lives in the present. So that's the light within that darkness. It brings us back to ourselves, brings us back in gratitude, in wonder, in joy, in awe, brings us back to that and brings us back into the moment. We have no idea what's coming up. We're not meant to. So Jesus says, sufficient unto the day is the trouble thereof. You've got enough to worry about today. (laughs) You've got enough that you need to be blessing right now. (laughs) So don't go out there and don't go back there. And it also helps us remember that we are evolving. And all the shadow we see out there, Lawrence and I experience so many miracles, so much love, so much joy, so much living in the divine presence. It has helped us do that. So that's the light inside that dark. It has helped us do that. And to stay in the moment in profound gratitude. And not ever to miss an opportunity to bless those that we criticize if we criticize them we know it's part of our shadow if it weren't we wouldn't even notice it as they say in alcoholics anonymous if you spot it you got it so it helps it helps us know ourselves much better Many times in the past through few months, I mean, that past few years, actually, um, I have, at the piano, played uh, an old American song, which is my favorite. And the words of that song are so relevant So the first line of that is my life goes on in endless song above earth's lamentation. So when we stand to bless the world, it's not standing in a place of superiority. It's the recognition of lamentation and even with that lamentation we can have the song in our heart of praise and joy and gratitude. I hear the clear though far off sound that hails a new creation. And as we've been speaking about for months and months, that's what we're, This is 2012, we've been talking about how we are evolving to a, a place in consciousness that we've never been before. It's a new creation. And we can feel it, and we can know it. And we move toward it. No storm can rock my inmost calm while to this rock I'm clinging and the rock is that place in us that's not touched by anything that place that is always there is always wise it's always loving it's always constant doesn't change that's the rock. So while I'm clinging to that rock, no storm can disturb my inmost calm. So it reminds me to go into that part of myself and identify myself with that. As love is Lord, or all the earth how can I keep from singing? How can I keep from singing? So together, let us know that song in our heart. Let us offer that song in our heart to the world. Let us know and be reminded constantly of our oneness with all that is and with every person who is. How can I keep from singing? Because ultimately, love is the only reality. Since love is Lord, or all the earth, despite what's going on, love is Lord, it's what, it's what reigns. How can I keep from singing? <laughs>
0: Thank <music> you. As you're receiving this part of the musings that we call embodied prayer, I would invite you again on a micro level to oscillate in that pattern that we were doing at the beginning in Mystic Moves where you're bending and extending, but make it really small. But this time when you bend down, you bend down and imagine a light, a candle going on. And when you reach up and out, this time, it's out into the giant darkness of the night universe. Even on a level of thought, as you just imagine it, you're firing the neurons connected with the brain and the body, affecting the action pattern. In the East, they say, I am that I am. In the West, be still and know I am. From the presence process, I am here now in this. I am healing and strengthening, radiating well-being. I am here now, one with love. I am lighting the dark from the inside out. I am softening, feeling, more fully breathing into and beyond my fears. More fully breathing my love. I am, I am, I am. We are one celebrating body and spirit. Light in the dark, not just a description of appearances or a situation. Not just a hope or a faith or even a trust, but also a mystic imperative. That our job as mystics in a darkening age is to deliberately bring light to these in darkening times, bringing the light of love to our own dark emotions, as you might to a hurting child, bringing the light of love to living amid the turbulence of life in this early 21st century. To bless the imperfect, to enter the not knowing, is to make a voluntary return to darkness, the source. Descent into mystery is a late form of the plunge into night. Mystery is what we don't know, what doesn't fit, what we have not made into shape and order. It tells us that surprise is at the core of life, terrifying, but also delicious. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spent years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Wanna know who said this? Mother Teresa. Thank you. Came from a wonderful calendar that Peg and Meg made up for us. Just as we were putting together the announcement for the Light in the Dark Musings, I came across an almost full page article in the Denver Post, also entitled Light in the Dark The Canonization of Mother Teresa. Taking this as confirmation of synchronously being on the wavelength of current spiritual unfolding. Mother Teresa was all the more remarkable as her dark night of the soul lasted almost her entire adult life of 50 years. And so, from the Nobel laureate, some words to be guided by in our hopefully shorter dark nights. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be frank and honest anyway. What you spent years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you've got. Anyway. From Elie Weisel, evoking whispers of eternity. Think higher, live deeper. Lighting your own mystic way and the way for others, lighting in the dark. Light in the dark is our mystic imperative, is our destiny is at this most challenging of times. It is our gift. Namaste.